Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew. Good evening. Before we get started with the final installment on my roundtable discussion with Debbie Edwards regarding Earth Changes and 2012, I would like to announce that starting with next week's show, I will be introducing an entirely new format to The Shaman's Brew that will include guest interviews. With next month being my favorite time of year, ushering in Halloween, Samhain, or Shadowfest, as my pagan friends know it. I am going to start a series of shows that will continue throughout the entire month on the topic of vampires, werewolves, and spirits. These will be true stories and little-known facts about these mysterious creatures, including some of my own first-hand experiences, some of which... I have never revealed to anyone up until now. There will be special guests and a crossover event involving Tracy Savage and myself as we merge our shows into one for a two-hour special that promises to be a very haunting and illuminating evening in honor of the vampire. So be sure to tune in next week as I usher in a new format in style that I hope will both educate and entertain all of my loyal listeners. And now, the final installment on our roundtable discussion of Earth Changes and 2012. Well, I know that there's been people that I've read for that, that, you know, I know it's an inconvenient message, but it's an urgent message for them is that, um, you know, say there are different areas of power lines and this doesn't affect everybody, you know, across the table. It's not like everybody um, physiologically or electromagnetically experiences the same type of interference, but, you know, there's, it's becoming more and more common, um, but, you know, I've, I've had to advise people that they, they need to move. For health reasons, they need to move because it is disrupting their, their, the balance of their electromagnetic current within their body to a point where, you know, and, and we're not even talking like even cancer or anything like that, but even just physiologically, their their whole chakra system is off. It, it's not in balance. They're not grounded. It's like when I'll go to look at them, it's kind of like their lower half of their body. I can't even feel it. All their energy is completely pulled north. It, it's like, you know, they've got massive um, uh, energy around their crown chakra, around their head, but when it comes to their feet and their legs, there's barely anything there. So it's almost like a bulbous-shaped, um, uh, you know, energy field. It's, it's kind of like when you look at the aura, you know, instead of it being uh, elongated or, you know, oval, um, tubular, it's, it's completely, um, it, it reminds me of a balloon, you know, where you've got one end of a balloon completely overinflated and then the bottom of the balloon is just, you know, weak and, and kind of rubbery. And this is what I'm seeing in people's... Yeah, in, in their energy, and they're experiencing major circulation issues, um, issues going on with uh, uh, 
heart problems. Um, I'm, I'm seeing it mainly affect the, the circulatory system and blood vessels and things like that. Um, and it even goes so far as to actually cause fluid retention, especially around the heart, um, migraines, uh, you know, things like that. Even dental issues, too. Um, you know, people that have trouble with the mercury, uh, trouble with their fillings, um, a lot of pain in, in their jaws, things like this. And, you know, so for health and safety reasons, you know, they just need to be out of there. And I'm finding more and more where people need to be in remote areas. Um, but I'm also finding, too, and just today, as a matter of fact, the woman that I mentioned prior who um, I was telling you she was kind of transparent to me, I saw her needing to be in the desert that that energy actually could balance her. But being in the mountains uh, where we're at was not very conducive uh, to keep her in balance uh, electromagnetically because I saw it, it was just like um, either, either uh, too much of a pull downward with her or it just kind of goes with a spike it's like her energy spikes and she's not able to regulate um her flow of energy which i'm seeing this affect sleep patterns uh cognition ability to focus and concentrate uh so there's there's a lot of things that are going on and of course you know like marcus what you were talking about like even with the junk dna i mean you know when we're looking at different aspects of um you know the ability to comprehend and cope and taking a look at, you know, which way is up or down when you were talking about, you know, the possibility of when we go through, and I know I'm kind of jumping a little bit, but when we go through, um, you know, that eclipse and kind of like how in, in your teaching, you know, reality, which way is up? Are we dead? Are we alive? You know, that kind of thing. And I'm yeah. seeing more aspects of this actually happen. They're They're subtle. But I'm I'm seeing this happen in people that you know you wouldn't even expect it, and there's there's such a um, oh how do I put it there it's completely on the rise. All of these people that are having tremendous psychic experiences that were not naturally prone or receptive to that at all, and it's like they're being thrust into this you know experience that they just don't even know how to process it. Yeah, and that's you know. By the way, Zahara, that's an excellent point you brought up, you know, the outside influence of electromagnetic radiation and things, because that very well could be the key to happen in people. Uh, It's not just our environment or our homes. Uh, You know, we talked about the eclipse of the sun, or the eclipse of the uh, center of the galaxy on uh, December 24, 2012, and that's when it happens. That's, That's when the eclipse happens. But we're approaching, you know, remember the two things happen is that we're cut off from the center all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But we're also cross right into the galactic plane of its magnetic disk caused by that spinning uh, black hole at the center. Um, The thing is, that's that's when we pass through it. But we're approaching it right now. And the closer we get to it, the more energy or energy, you know, it, it, I don't know if it's electromagnetic or what, but we're, the closer we get to it, um, the more it's going to affect everything, people, animals, you know, the, the environment, everything. And so a lot of what's happening could be a result, just like Zero was saying, from the constellations or from outside sources, because there are, there are stars that can explode uh, and actually create enough radiation, you know, gamma radiation, to wipe out all life on Earth. And, well, how and about the full moon? Just, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that, 
okay. Oh, I was going to uh, say, you know, just if we take something that we do know already, and uh, you can take statistics from police stations and emergency rooms and whatnot, we know a magnetic pull uh, between the Earth and the moon that happens in monthly cycles, right? And when there's a full moon, <clears throat> it's uh, statistically it's a fact that people... Um, we have more crime, we have more violence, we have more animal attacks, uh, which is interesting. I just, you know, read something or heard something on the TV recently about this, that there's more animal attacks during the full moon. You know, they talk to doctors and they, they have more staff in their ER room. Cops have more people staffed because they know that this weird magnetic pull from the full moon on the Earth at that time of the month does cause things to happen in humans that we can't exactly explain. Yeah, but even if we just take that, yeah, we do. And, you know, it, it, people react to these invisible magnetic fields just based on that alone. So when you start increasing all that energy in addition to technology, in addition to this entering, entering into the, the center of this alignment, um, and, I'm, st you know, it's interesting not to get yeah, off and that's, too far off. And that's, no, and that's all related. That's that's where the term uh, lunatic came from. Absolutely, from Luna the moon. The way yeah, Luna is the uh, name for the moon. Um, you know, there's also more there's biological functions that change, too, besides all of life is cycled around uh, those those changes in the moon. Uh, you know, in the sea, even where the moonlight doesn't penetrate, it still affects, you know, the life at the bottom of the ocean. But you know, there's more hemorrhaging. That's why the hospitals have to bring in uh, you know more staff. Uh, more babies are born on a full moon than any other time, and so there's you know the moon is strongly affecting us. Uh, and it's it's two things: it's a magnetic field, but it has a gravitational field, and so it's the gravitational pull that it's exerting on us and on our uh, magnetic fields. The uh, you know, our bodies are like 90% uh, water, and we see what it does to our oceans during the different mm -hmm. cycles. Of the you know, they right. it moves the moves the oceans, and we're made of the same stuff. So it it definitely you know does uh, does affect us. And there's there's other things in the environment too, like you know you were talking about all the electronics and, and the Wi-Fi and all that. Something else I just found out today that a lot of people probably don't know. And uh, those, uh, the people that want to go green and to get those fluorescent light bulbs to replace their incandescent light bulbs, mm -hmm. those those incandescent or those uh, fluorescent light bulbs, you know, the energy efficient ones that are saving, you know, the power companies and the government want you to switch over to. Uh, I just found out they're affecting our health, and what uh, what doctors have done, you know, to research this is. They've they've taken kids in classrooms and they put them uh, in a classroom with this type of lighting, with these type of bulbs, and they found that it that creates major changes in them. Uh, a diabetic person will uh, their blood sugar will rise if they're in a room for a certain number of hours with these light bulbs, as opposed to incandescent light bulbs. Uh, they found that uh, a lot of children will develop asthma. You know when they're exposed to these, and and what it is, it's electromagnetic radiation. It's called dirty electricity. 
uh, normal electricity in a house and you know, the type that you know, is used in our incandescent light bulbs, uh, it's a perfect sine wave. You know, it's, it's a wave that goes up and down. Uh, the dirty uh, electricity has a, a vibration, and it's because these fluorescent tubes that uh, these things use, uh, and it's regular fluorescent lighting too, it's not just those bulbs, they operate on very high voltage and it creates a very high electromagnetic frequency to be emitted. That's why if you've ever noticed, especially with an AM radio, if you go near you know, any of these things with an AM radio, you can't get reception. And uh, that's that's the reason it's it's giving out this energy. And I, I knew that there was energy being given out by fluorescent tubes, but I didn't know it was dangerous. And they're finding out that it's affecting people's health. And uh, yeah, the tubes themselves are dangerous if they break, but if they don't break, they're not dangerous. But the, the energy itself is actually affecting uh, people's moods and their biological functions. Well, I know I can I can attest to that. Yeah, yeah, and I know for me, um, physically, I cannot be under fluorescent lights at all. Um, as a matter of fact, like if um, I walk into a building and and there's fluorescent lighting, I won't even go in. I won't even stay there. I can't because it's it, it's an interesting thing. As as you know, you know, I I used to be uh, co-owner of a jewelry shop up here uh-huh. in in this area, and um, the particular mall that we were in. You know, I sat directly under a light, and I can't tell you how many times I would be instantly fatigued. Um, as a matter of fact, I ended up having um, it. It wasn't a panic attack at all, but it was. Uh, uh, I had palpitations, um, heart palpitations, uh, numbness in my limbs. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, energetic, uh, you know, disruptions for myself. As soon as I was out of there, it was fine, and you know, I, I couldn't even place or understand what it was. And I was researching actually an illness, and uh, there was a gal that had brought that information to me as well. And she said, look, you know, there's been some research done, um, fluorescent lighting, anybody that has, say, fibromyalgia, MS, lupus, any type of autoimmune um, disease or situation, they cannot be under fluorescent lighting because it just perpetuates you know, the symptoms yeah. and makes it way worse. So this was something that I, and I completely forgot about that, but yeah, this is something that came to me a couple of years ago. Um, but I never really, you know, put it together as far as it affecting the health and well-being of, you know, healthy people either, or especially children. That's a good point to bring that up. Um, you know, considering how a lot of, a lot of our kids nowadays, especially as they get into uh, junior high and high school, that their ability to, stay attentive and alert and all of these things um, is really compromised. And then you throw in, you know, all these kids that are empathic and completely intuitive. Uh, you know, you've got you've got this mix of indigo and crystal children, you know, that are kind of swamped together and then, of course, sitting under the, yeah. the lighting. I can only imagine. Um, you know, in other research I've been doing environmentally, uh, I, I received a, a message about a hurricane that's going to be coming um Spiritually, I received the message from my guide, and so I started researching the effects on um, oil contaminants within the human body because this was something that I was shown, you know, as far as the whole Gulf oil spill. Um, I saw residuals being uh, pushed 
you know, through the seawater being pushed high up into the tributaries of the Mississippi. So for whatever hurricane this is coming, um, you know, this is where I saw the effects. And so I said to myself, okay, I'm going to research what, you know, what it does to the human body here. So, you know, I'm made aware, and it's really interesting to me because I'm seeing not only uh, parallels between, you know, oil contamination and the way that we've been ingesting uh, plastics and, you know, different types of uh, oil-based products, what what I discovered is that um, in 2007 they finally passed a, I don't know if it was a bill or, or a stipulation, you know, regulation, whatever, but what they found is that, you know, these oil particles from plastics and things like that were actually, um, you know, becoming uh, digested in, you know, baby formulas and things like that. So it basically was leaking, in a sense. And what it causes, it actually causes issues with the thyroid gland, um, issues with hormones, which, you know, oh, my gosh, what do we have? You know, we have this whole whole slew, this whole body of youth that are coming up with type 2 diabetes. We're seeing, um, you know, these children that are obese, even though their parents are, are trim and healthy, you know, and they're becoming obese at the age of one and two years old. It also um, decreases the uh, sperm count as well as the uh, testosterone level in developing males. Um, you know, so it's just a very interesting thing, and I was really surprised as I started researching that, uh, what it's doing to the human body. And I know I completely am off topic here, but the fact no, you were talking not, about... It kind of all connects. Yeah. Well, as far as environmentally, yeah, and, and it just, you know, it's an interesting thing looking at all of these things we interact with on a daily basis. And like Zahira, like you were talking about, you know, with with cell phones and with, you know, the Wi-Fi and all of these, you know, energies constantly bombarding us um, all of these different ways. I, you know, it's just, it's really interesting, um, you know, to kind of combine it all. And I know I'm flip-flopping here. Marcus, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this too, and, you know, as we're kind of like talking about waves of energy and things like that, how electromagnetically we're being affected, um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the different uh, frequency waves when it comes to, I remember you and I were talking about radio waves uh, once upon a time, you know, transmissions and things like that and how it affects the human body as well. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's that's kind of what we we started touching on with the fluorescent uh, tubes because it's not the light they give off, it's the radio frequencies, electromagnetic radiation is radio frequencies, and uh, if you if you take uh, an EMF meter which you, you'll see on ghost hunters and all the the people running around trying to detect ghosts with them, they're not made for that. Uh, EMF meters are made for appliance repairmen, and mm. they measure the radio frequency coming off of uh, any given you know, source. If you if you walk in a room, like where I'm at right now, I'm in my lab right now, I have, uh, since I learned that information today about those energy, those, those green light bulbs that once, you know, with the coiled uh, replacing incandescents, since I learned that, I've replaced them all in my house. And uh, the only thing I still do have uh, because the lab is so large, I, I can't light it with incandescent lighting. So I do have like eight neon tubes you know, in the ceiling. And I can't get rid of that. But if I turn an EMF meter on right now, uh, as I even get you know remotely close to it, it starts spiking. 
and it'll, uh, for example, a regular uh, incandescent light bulb or an LED light bulb, I might mention too. LED light bulbs are fairly new now, uh, but they've, they've got the technology down where they're efficient and, uh, and LED light bulbs don't emit any EMF waves. Neither do incandescent light bulbs. They don't emit any radio waves. Uh, the fluorescent ones do, but if I walk anywhere near them with an EMF meter, you know, it'll go from from zero uh, all the way up to like 50 or 60, you know, which is huge. When, mm. when people detect ghosts, or uh, I don't think they're actually detecting ghosts with EMF meters, but when they get readings, they're only getting like 0.1, 0.4. And this, you know, you walk near a, a neon light, you know, a uh, fluorescent light, and it jumps up to like 50, which is hundreds of times that force. And so we're exposed to all of this, and they're still discovering what all this is doing. You mentioned thyroid problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in the last two years, I have met more people with thyroid problems, and I'm talking like, you know, eight, than I have in my entire life combined, you know, all the years before this. And mm-hmm. it's it's like there's a rash of thyroid problems. Nobody really sits down to figure out why, but a lot of people have. Tell them to stay clear of iodized salt because iodine is bad for thyroids, and a lot of people don't really? know that. Tell them, yes, tell no, them to I, switch I, I to didn't know salt. That. Huh, I didn't know that yet because that's why they put iodine in there was you know, for the thyroid. But that's yep. that's probably what they're clear. <laughs> well, that's good. Just in know. addition See, to all these. <laughs> Everybody's learning well, things. Stay away from the little light bulbs that save energy <laughs> and stay away from iodized salt. Well, I'm a health food nut, and I'm a, I, holistic everything is, is in my kitchen. So when it comes to those issues, I go first to nutrition. and, and uh, But I didn't know about those lights, and I yeah, think I, I actually have replaced some of them with those lights, and, and uh, that well, might it's, be... Uh, it's... I didn't change them all in my house. I have, uh, there's some like in the laundry area where nobody is really there for any length of time. I think those are okay. Uh, it's, it's in an area like in my, in my library or study and where my desk is and all that. I, I had a lot of them in there. I've changed all those out because I've, I spent a lot of time there. But in a bedroom, in a bathroom, in, in a kitchen, you probably ought to get rid of them. Uh, LED bulbs are the best way to go, but they're expensive, you know, at least mm. right now. But that's, yeah, they're, apparently the energy they're given off is doing all kinds of things to our biological systems, our immune system and all that, which you know very well, Debbie. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it honestly, I mean, I had never been more fatigued and sick in my entire life than I was uh, the summer I spent under those lights. And if you remember me telling you, um, you know, last year when I said, you know, I just, I, I can't get enough sleep. I mean, we, we really thought, I mean, you know, okay, do I have a blood disorder? Like, I mean, it was it was serious medically to a point where I, I was incapable of, you know, really any physical activity. So, you know, this was something that debilitated me. And I'm, and what's interesting here is that ever since I've been out of there, you know, it's taken a little while, but... I feel actually completely fine. 
and I, you know, I mean, I'm a go-getter. I'm a complete workaholic. I think as anybody that knows me knows that, uh, you know, but it's something that I can actually maintain the schedule I put in front of myself instead of, you know, trying to chase it. I can actually maintain it, and I've never felt healthier in my life than I do now. So it's a really interesting thing. Um, and Zahira, you know, with you mentioning the iodized salt, here's what else is is a connection, is a link for me too, um, is that when I'm uh, lately, you know, you know, as I've been talking about the uh, balance of electromagnetic current through people's bodies, and I keep picking up on these mineral deficiencies, I keep also back to back picking up on salt intake there's a, there's an issue with salt and i'm finding where it's not registering in the person's body like it would normally do because i also do medical intuitive so this is where i get into the health aspect of the sessions that i do and it's really interesting because i have not been able to pinpoint um the salt issue that i'm seeing going on in people's bodies it's like you know is it too much is it not enough where is is you know the imbalance um, Salt-wise, because I'm not picking up on cardio issues, I'm not picking up on you know water retention or high blood pressure. That's not even where it's going. It's going more in the direction of energetics and um, you know with with vitality, with fatigue, uh, you know this sort of thing. So it's been kind of confusing me a little bit because I'm seeing patterns with it, but I haven't been able to pinpoint why. You know, so it's just interesting you bring that up. Well, salt also leads to dehydration too, right? And then also salt retention for those who are dehydrated, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that salt connects to so many important things to the body. Um, not that I'm a doctor, but just in my because I'm a health food nut, I know some of these things. So that's interesting. I, I you know, I don't yeah. know how salt plays a role uh, specifically to what you are um, seeing or not seeing, but I have I'm a friend who has a thyroid on. problem. Yeah. So I came yeah. across the iodized salt issue and and uh, told him to switch to sea salt. Yeah. And gave him a list of other foods to eat for thyroid issues. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you know, how it, it's interesting how we're getting on this topic of health too, because you know, looking at all the different things uh, that are affecting you know our health and well-being when it comes to all the things that we're exposed to. Um, I kind of want to jump back to something here for just a moment, uh, you know, and and maybe we can talk a little bit more about this too. Uh, Marcus, you had mentioned earlier in the broadcast about how all of our planets are heating up. And I'm wondering if we could actually elaborate on that a little bit because, you know, as we're really getting into this this eco-friendly, this this green, um, you know, aspect of looking at... um, you know, global warming, as they say, all these climactic changes, climate changes, all of these different things that we're going through, um, you know, and, of course, the increase of, uh, you know, these different earthquakes and tsunamis and just, you know, weird weather stuff, um, which kind of ties also into this whole 2012 aspect of, you know, how even Zahira is talking about all these cultures that are really kind of predicting the same stuff. Um where is this really originating? Is this something that, you know, we can start to monitor uh, to take a look at when it comes to this temperature shift? Um, well, the you know, astronomers discovered that the, the planets, you know, planetary astronomers uh, and astrogeophysicists, I, I first heard about this from a friend of mine that uh, that is, died a few years ago, but uh, he was the world's leading authority on astrogeophysics, uh, Dr. Eugene Shoemaker. And even back 
at that time, which this was oh, 25, 30 years ago, something like that, uh, he had mentioned that there was an increase, you know, a temperature increase with the planets. And this was his field of expertise. He's the one you saw on TV all the time whenever they had anything happening with meteors or asteroids. Or, you know, he did a lot of specials with PBS. Uh, it was his field of expertise, and he had no clue why they were heating up. And only recently, I mean, you know, I'm talking weeks, that you know, any information come out why this may be happening. It's still only a theory, uh, but they know now that the temperature increase. This is planetary from the core out. It's not just you know in our atmosphere. When we talk about our our green gases and greenhouse gases and things like that, we're talking about heating up our atmosphere. This is the whole planet, you know, the whole you know, space environment, our weather, or space weather, they call it. It's heating up. And they only recently discovered that it was probably, you know, one possible possible cause is the uh, the interstellar you know, cloud that I spoke about, the, the hydrogen and helium. That's It's superheated, but it's not why it's it's heating up. It's heating up because it's shielding our solar wind, our cosmic radiation and stuff. It's shielding from that from uh, creating a bubble around us. It's like it's like when you put a jacket on, you start getting warmer, and that's what this is like. It's like a jacket going around our entire solar system. It's causing mm-hmm. everything to slowly raise. Now this we're passing through this cloud. It's not always going to be there, and just you know on a on a uh, you know interstellar you know level, um, you know when we talk about cosmologies, it's we're talking about billions of years, not just thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions. We're talking billions and billions of years that these cycles you know go through, and so this has probably happened before. It's mm-hmm. just you know it was just now detected that they're increasing, and that's that will add you know to our our uh, temperature change. Uh, I don't think the Earth is gonna, you know, like like you see with a lot of the science fiction movies where the greenhouse effect takes place and it, it heats us up so that you know we the temperature of the planet gets too hot. I don't think that's that is really going to happen. In fact, I think there's a strong potential of a ice age or a mini ice age coming up before anything like that happens. And yeah. Many ice well, ages can come up in a matter of, you know, a few years. They used to think sure. it took thousands, but it can happen in just uh, a couple of years. You can have a mini ice age. Yeah, it's just it's just really wild, you know, to be able to take a look at it in in that way when we look at this whole shift. And you know, here's here's a potential theory, uh, something that I've just you know kind of looking at in my mind, uh-huh. you know, gathering all the information that we're talking about tonight. Um, I'm curious of the possibility. You know, let's say that uh, you're correct. You know, let's say the theory is correct and the fact that, you know, reality kind of goes through a shakedown for a few moments and everyone gets a glimpse and then we all kind of come back to the world as we know it, but, of course, nothing is ever the same. What if, you know, that's truly the catalyst of this entire awakening process, this shift that all of us are kind of already starting to move towards? But what if that, in a sense, um, kind of blows open the door and really dissolves the veil, in a sense, to where, you know, we are 
truly able to co-create our entire reality, um, but simultaneously working together. And I don't want to make it sound like this utopian dream, but, you know, really, I think it may actually be, you know, a strong potential after the chaos is done (laughs) of, you know, people realizing their potential and harnessing, uh, you know, a lot of the aspects of their brain energy they have not yet utilized that we're just now really starting to tap into. But, you know, I find it quite interesting, uh, you know, talking about this and, uh, you know, and that also kind of caps off on on the junk DNA, like you're talking about the you know the zombieism in a way. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I I find it quite interesting, you know, because a lot of people, even these other cultures, you know, like Zahira, like you've researched, you know, where they're really talking about this catalytic, you know, movement, this awakening, this change. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, in fact, I think Zahira has mentioned about the Hopi about the. Uh, what was it? The uh, the river, you know, on the petroglyphs, where it shows that we split and go two different directions, or have an option. Prophecy Rock in Arizona. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of the rock. And you know, how how these I don't want to call them primitive people because I think in a lot of ways they're more advanced than we are. But how they knew about these things, you know, is what always amazes me. Uh, you know the the ancient technology that sometimes seems far superior to our modern technology. But uh, that uh, that very well, you know, could be. I mean, that's, uh, that's the thing about uh, the Hopis, you know, talked about the people that hang on, the people that, uh, that survive the earth changes, because they're talking about earth changes. Uh, they're not necessarily talking about all the galactic or interstellar clouds or anything like that. They're, they're talking about changes in the Earth, and, and those that are cyclical, they, they know they happen, uh, and they, they seem to know when they're going to happen. But as, as those things uh, do occur, it's like the people that survive it will be the ones that don't fight it. People that really fight it are the ones that are going to panic. Um, it's like when people have panic attacks. They, the thing causing the panic attack is what they're fighting, and they don't want to let go of whatever it is that's creating the panic attack. You know, whether it's some people have panic attacks that they're gonna, you know, they, they don't like to be around other people. Some people don't like the fact that they might go unconscious. You know, the, to let go of consciousness, uh, that can actually create a panic attack, and. Uh, People that fight whatever is, you know might happen with uh, with the way things change with the earth and with our own energy systems are the ones that probably won't survive, uh, you know, because it's going to take a, a calm, clear head, you know, to just go with the flow, so to speak. You you, you don't want to fight it. The Hopi's uh, uh, elders, you know, would. They recommend that you don't fight this type of change. That you, you know, they they liken it to a uh, a river flowing, and the people are going to try to hang on to what they know is solid, the reality, and they're going to try to cling to that uh, the side of the river banks and the trees or anything sticking out. They're going to try to keep hanging on to that. They won't, um, you know, go through 
any type of energetic change, you know, if that actually, you know, takes place. And that's why the Hopi elders recommend that you move away from the banks and you just go with the flow. You flow with the water to wherever it takes you. And that's, you know, one of the, the methods that they uh, recommend for survival. Hmm. Uh, not uh, the physical body or the, I think, mental energy or sanity. But it could very well, you know, certain changes uh, could be with these eclipses coming up, these major eclipses. Uh, they could change the way we perceive. They could, you know, change our energy. And and like you said, the, the veil, which in my research with transdimensional communication, I refer to the veil really as a buffering zone. It's it's a field of energy that, that keeps our physical world energy and spiritual energy you know, the, for the next plane up, keeps them separated so that they don't inter, intermingle directly. And, uh, you know, we refer to that as the veil itself. And the veil does is affected by a lot of outside energies, both from our physical world energies and from energies from other dimensions. Uh, it's and, and this again is something that you know can't scientifically be proven at this time because we're dealing with energies that we can't measure with our scientific equipment. But this information is more looking up from my shamanic training. I have, you know, my awareness has been shifted you know, by my teacher, and I've stood inside the veil itself, you know, in between worlds, and I know what it looks like, and it actually has a, a dimension to it. It's it's not massive; it's more like a bubble, or a cocoon that surrounds the physical world energies, and uh, you know, I I can't say in yeah, it's it's dimensions are different there, you know, as far as measurement, and time doesn't even exist there. But if I had to give you an example, you know, I would say the veil, the buffering zone, is probably between four and uh, maybe 20 miles thick. But again, you don't use distance the same way there. But that's just to give you an idea. It does have a physical boundary. And the surface is affected by cosmic radiation from the sun. You know that's that's why things happen uh, paranormally. They happen more after uh, midnight, and also alien abductions. You know phenomenon that's that's been reported between midnight and 3 a.m. That's when the the veil or buffering zone is the calmest. Uh, it's not, you know, the cosmic radiation from the sun can't penetrate the earth. And so after a certain distance down, there's no longer any cosmic radiation in our you know, area. And that causes it to all slow down and get real clear, like uh, like still, or like deep running water, for example, a deep pool where you can see the bottom. And that's when energy goes back and forth. So energetically, what all that means is that energetically, the veil could change. It could. Uh, uh, I don't know what would happen. Yeah, I've never entertained the idea scenario of it actually disappearing completely. Uh, yeah. That merges the two worlds. Uh, I know you were talking about you know frequencies and and energy like that. And in my research, 
uh, with the Monroe Institute, you know, they they're one of the leading authorities in the world on human consciousness, and they developed a technique called hemisync. That's but they're using sound, and they're affecting the human energy system by controlling sound in the brain. They create a uh, a harmonic beat frequency with uh, you know using sound in one ear and a different sound in the other ear. And part of the research that, in fact, a big part of the research that I do for them, because they have some people that work on the outside of the Institute, uh, what I do is I experiment uh, with the way that it affects our energy system more so than uh, the medical or the biological system. And, I, you know, because the, the assemblage point of awareness is determines what we see, what we are able to, how we're able to interact energetically with the world around us and with other people. And the movement of it is what makes different people more sensitive or, or telepathic. Or it's like your, you, you know, your personal one. When I met you and I saw you, I saw that your assemblage point was vibrating all over the place. <laughs> and every everybody else that's rock solid, it doesn't move. Yeah. But people yeah. that are are gifted or have you know, it can be a curse too. It's not really a gift sometimes, yeah. but as you know, but um, people that have the ability to perceive and interact with other energy systems and other people uh, have an assemblage point. It's like a focal point on their their you know, luminous egg, their aura. Mm-hmm. It has it it stays in one spot, but someone like you, it's it moves, and it only moves, it moves enough like yours is blurry. Most people, it's a, like a bright light. Yours is kind of blurry because it's like it's vibrating, and when it does that, it's you're able to switch and connect to other energy systems and other people. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, and, and like, and, and I want to let you finish your thought. It's, um, sure. Uh, we also do have some questions in the chat, too, I want to ask you. Um, but it is an interesting thing uh, of the fact that, you know, the for my assemblage point, um, it, it's actually been shifting. You know, the last six months have really been shifting um, the way that, that I, I perceive, you know, energy is actually becoming much more acute. Um, but, of course, it is uh, changing the way in which I connect to the other side because, as many people know, yeah. you know, a lot of the sessions I do for after-death communication, but I'm actually finding where they don't have as much of an interest to communicate with us that they used to. And it's really an interesting thing um, because what they're doing is they're actually coming closer to the earth vibration, almost in an earthbound state voluntarily, and they're doing it in the masses. And it's making it uh, a very different experience because I'm connecting more and more with people on the other side that don't even feel like they're in spirit anymore. As a matter of fact, one um, actually, I believe, already reincarnated. Um, this woman who huh. lost her son, I believe, reincarnated as her grandson. So it's just, it's really interesting to see how everything is shifting and changing. But, you know, yeah, I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, learning that from you as as far as, um, you know, energetics, uh, you know, about the assemblage point, you know, has actually helped uh, me pinpoint what it is I was already doing naturally but couldn't quite put into the right, you know, term or the right words. Yeah. Yeah, and it's there are other things that affect the assemblage point. It's not, you know, yours probably from birth is that way, but 
you can actually increase it more. Anybody can manipulate their assemblage point. It's you know, there's a series of meditative exercises. Plus some of the, the work that I'm doing with the Monroe Institute uh, can actually cause the assemblage point to to move and to change. Uh, the for example, the research that I'm doing is I think I'm pretty sure I'm the only person in the world right now using this type of uh, energy. And I use, you know, hemisync is, is things you can hear with your ears. They put in a, a split frequency so that one is slightly different in one ear than it is the other. You get a beat frequency inside. It's what you hear. It actually is beating inside electrically inside your brain. Um, what I'm experimenting with, because I'm attempting to affect the assemblage point, is I'm using subsonic uh, hemisync, mm -hmm. which, as far as I know, I'm the only person in the world right now that's that's doing that. Uh, subsonic is, you know, of course, things we can't hear. They're, they're sound waves still, but they affect not just our inner ears. They don't just go into our brain through our, our uh, auditory signals. Uh, subsonics we can feel with our other, you know, nerve endings in our body. And I have a, an actual special set of headphones that generate subsonics because most headphones won't do it. You have to use headphones when you use uh, Hemisync. And the headphones I'm experimenting with generate subsonic waves. And all I'm generating is subsonic Hemisync. And that's having effects, you know, the experimental process right now, but it's having effects on the assemblage point. You know more so than than regular sound, and so different frequencies and vibrations do affect us. Uh, you know, right now it looks like you know I can control, or I will be able to control the assemblage point completely with uh, subsonic hemisync. Hemisync, by the way, is hemispheric synchronization. It's where the hemispheres of the brain beat as one. You know, they, they function as one unit instead of all over the place. Yeah. But um, you know, that's that's experimental right now. There's nothing concrete with that. Uh, there are other things that can, can affect you, you know, outside. Like Sahara was talking about all the outside influences uh, from Wi-Fi all the way to the constellations. Uh, they are affecting not just the physical body, but they affect our energetic body or what we call our uh, astral or our soul. You know, astral body and soul are two different things. But uh, they're affecting those bodies as well. It's not just our physical body. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. and I mentioned, too, a lot of people get confused about this. We have two assemblage points. There's two different kinds. Um, if you if you look it up on the Internet or go to the library or anything, you'll, you'll find medical books written by doctors about the assemblage point, uh, Chinese medicine. You know, have uh, known about this for thousands of years, they use acupuncture to, to affect the assemblage point in the physical body. But there's also, you know, what, what I'm talking about is the assemblage point in our energetic bodies, and it's outside the physical body. There's also an assemblage point, uh, up in, you know, it all involves energy, but inside the physical body energies, and it's within the body itself. And doctors now are using that uh, for treatment. Uh, there's there's a lot of research being done. It's called uh, vibrational medicine. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and so there are, you know, for anybody that looks this up, there are two different types of assemblage points. You're not going to learn too much about the energetic one, you know, from books. Um, you know, they talk about it, but it's there's very little known about it. You usually have to learn one-on-one -on -one with somebody that is, you know, familiar with it, which are usually people like Shaman. But uh, the, the assemblage point most people will be able to read about involves the body, which, again, is, is useful information because it's involved your health. But I just want to point that out, that there are two assemblage points. So people yeah, won't be no, confused about that. Two you know, ends of the spectrum, two extremes. And uh, it's, it is an interesting thing, um, you know, considering that. And even going back to, you know, like Marcus, like, you know, how we've connected with Carly Rose and a lot of the direct voice communication uh, spirit messages, or I should say spirit mm -hmm. conversations in real time she's experienced, there's even a lot of aggression or confusion even with the spirit energies that are communicating with her too. Yeah, and that's, that's one thing that has discouraged her a lot. I mean, her curiosity is still there, but you don't expect, you know, when you're dealing with the, the spirit world, you don't expect that much hostility. And it's like that what what she deals with, and for people who don't know, she uh, she's a physical medium, and voices will actually materialize sometimes right out of thin air that you can hear. It's not like EVPs, but she records a lot of this. And uh, it's one of the natures of physical medium. They they open up portals for energy to go back and forth. And a lot of the type of spirits that she deals with, you know, she doesn't sit there and call them. She just sits there and waits to see what happens. Uh, they they seem to be more juvenile. It's a, it's like a, they're like you know high school gang type things. You know they they bicker with each other. A lot of them are. Uh, very nasty, you know. They they cuss and they call you all kinds of names, and these are things she's you know caught on tape, and it's not you know something you would expect to hear from from more evolved or spiritual creatures, and that's yeah. that's you know I don't know if she's just tapping into a certain frequency range because our thoughts take us you know in. In other dimensions, our thoughts are real, and so our the nature that our our thoughts and emotions vibrate at put us in di different places. Now, she may just be able to tap into the ones that are you know a little nastier because they they try to imitate people who they're not they impersonate they mm. they lie you know there's there's a lot of lying going on you know messages that brought across practical jokes you know mischievous things. So yeah. It's well, yeah, I mean, I'm even noticing that even in sessions that I'm doing where the energy is just very different. Um, I'm actually, you know, when I go to connect with somebody, I'm actually getting a little bit of a confrontation sometimes where, yeah. you know, they're, they're giving the people still living here a bit of a hard time. Um, and I'm also seeing, too, where it's a lot of the ones that you would expect to connect with, it, it's not that they're unreachable but they're choosing not to reach out and you know i don't know if this kind of goes back to um the interference patterns that are going on when it comes to all of these different you know wi-fi waves and, and all of this stuff because it's creating such a, 
uh, an interference, you know, where it's making it difficult for them to connect, I don't know. Um, because when I think of the human instrument, you know, as a channeler, as a medium, uh, you know, what have you, that, you know, it would seem as though that wouldn't even be an interference or even an issue uh, connected to it. But, you know, it's it's uh, quite an, an interesting thing. And, you know, even going back to what you were talking about with the fluorescent lighting, it kind of brought an idea to me. And I'm thinking, you know, when you've got a lot of these investigators going in and, and you know, they're marking their data and they're using uh, the EMF meters and you've got all this equipment, which, of course, emits uh, a frequency in its own. But, you know, um, when you think of, of spirit energy and how it draws energy from that physical location, which is, you know, where we're getting the cold spots of so them drawing that energy is able to, uh, I guess, give more of the opportunity for them to make manifest things physical. Um, but it's, it is a curious thing, you know, talking about the, the, I guess, almost like a derogatory frame of mind a lot of them are having now when it comes to uh, that direct communication back and forth. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of... Uh, almost as if they're questioning us, too, as far as our own authenticity or the fact that we're even real. Um, now, like you had, had captured also uh, spirit voice and energy as well, you know, where those yeah. two were kind of bickering back and forth about what you were doing. And yeah, and I've, I've never, you know, I haven't released the actual recording of that. Part of the reason is I'm, I'm, I had talked to Art Bell before, uh, years ago, actually, and uh, he knew about the research I was doing, and he wanted to put a show together after I had that event. So I haven't actually released that yet. Plus, mm -hmm. the audio quality is so clear that it's it's almost hard to believe that it's really the spirit communication because people are used to hearing EVPs very <laughs> They make a whole sentence out of a sound like that. These are conversations that are taking place like you and I are talking right now. And they're short, though. They're they're not very long. And they're conversations directed toward me. Like one of them actually calls, uses my name, calls my name out. It's a female voice. And it it tells me in one part of the communication to turn up the device that I'm using. I use a, a completely different type of communication device than anybody else is using. I use lasers, magnetic and electric fields. But um, it, you know, told me to turn it up. It said, "Mark, you know, turn it up." And, and very few people call me Mark. You know, most people on the internet know me as Marcus. Right. But uh, and so I thought that was a little weird. But uh, then they started talking back and forth to each other. You know, when when I because I have the ability to send my voice, you know, through the dimensions as well. And as soon as I heard. The initial contact says, uh, what is that? And they were referring to music I was playing through the device. I got up and I, you know, I commented and I, you know, introduced myself. And then another voice, more of a weird, psychotic male-sounding voice, uh, it said, uh, he can hear you or he can, he can hear us. That's what he said. And, you know, they started talking with each other for a short time and then they were gone. It's like they really didn't want to make contact. And this concludes this show. Be sure to tune in next week as I share with you my own personal experience with a female vampire that haunts me to this very day. This is Marcus Leader, and you have been listening to The Shaman's Brew 
on Jackalope 105 FM on the Jackalope Media Network.